Hello, welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. So I want to try something a little different this time and just give you a bit of an intro to the conversation. I'm going to be talking to Shana Fabiano, who is the author of Lead and Follow, and she takes her life of teaching and dancing the tango and applies the lessons uh, to any leadership world. So and not just the leadership side, but the follower side. And I, I really like the emphasis that she makes in the book and in the conversation about the importance of both sides of that uh, that cycle in order to make sure that the flow is is good. Uh, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about the follower. We spend a lot of time on leadership, but not necessarily the follower. So it's a good conversation where she highlights some of those points uh, and pulls out some of the analogies from the book. So enjoy. Uh, and uh, the other thing that I, I wanted to say at this point is uh, my stats tell me I've got some regular listeners. I can tell that by location. And so I'd love to hear from you. If you're uh, listening on a regular basis, please send me a note, david at humanity.com, so that I know where you're listening from and which sessions, or which episodes you're enjoying and um, and what you might like to hear about next. Uh, that's uh, just trying to get some understanding of, of who's out there, who's listening and, and what value they're seeing. So I look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, here's the episode. My guest this week is Shana Fabiano, who is a dancer. And you're thinking, dancer? And we're going to talk about leadership. Yes, because she's not just a dancer. She's actually a coach. And she's just written a book. And it should be out by the time this podcast comes out that is called Lead and Follow. And uh, <laughs> nice. That'll be good for those watching the video. Nice little share. Uh, I would have shared that, but it's not out yet. So I only read the electronic version of it. Uh, otherwise, I could share the picture. But Shana, welcome. Thank you so much, David. Really excited to be here. What I normally do is start by asking my uh, my guests to give a 30-second bio of what got you to where you are. 30 seconds, so that's a challenge. Um, I, I'm going to say that my, my background is really firmly in dance. You know, I spent the first 15 years of my adult career teaching tango, which is very much a dance about partnership and leading and following. Um, and so I'm now kind of in this second, second, uh, beginning the second part of my career. And I went back to school and did a coaching certification. And so now I'm trying to kind of pull those insights from, from dance into the leadership world, into the coaching world. So that's what this book project is all about. Well, that's, and having just finished reading it and not being at all a dancer, in fact, my wife would be interested to know that I was talking about dance with anybody because she is bursting to get me to learn some of these things. Uh, one of the fascinating things about reading your book is that you uh, have taken, you spend as much time on followership as you do on leadership and this contrast and, and the synergy between the follower and the leader help us understand or paint a picture of those two roles as you see them both in the tango work and then how it applies to the rest of us in our work. Sure. And I'm, I'm fully aware that that term follower is a little new, you know, for most of the leadership world, uh, even it might even have a negative connotation. So I'll, I'll just start by saying in, in dance and in, in tango specifically, uh, the, the, the way that you learn that form is by taking on a role, right? And there's two people. So it's much easier to see, okay, how do those two fit together? And one of them is called the leader, right? So and that role has many things that we would associate with organizational leadership as well, like you know, vision and a kind of 
big view and uh, direction and so forth. Um, but you have this other person, right, in the duet, which is the follower. And so in dance, there's, there's then the, the natural question, well, what's that person doing? Uh, and as it turns out, there's, there's a complementary action for every trait that the leader has, right? There's a, there's a follower side of it. So if the, the leader is, you know, giving clear communication, for example, which I think is a very accessible leader skill, then the follower is practicing attentive listening, right? And presence and, you know, critical uh, comprehension, things like that. So that's an easy example, but there's a whole collection of those that dancers explore these sort of complementary skill sets um, that I think is, you know, in the, in the organizational world, because we don't have that term follower, uh, it's not always articulated, right? Mm -hmm. We use terms more like team member or uh, individual contributor, but the, the language around what, you know, following is, what followership is, is just a bit less developed. So that's what I'm interested in exploring. Well, you described the flow as well between the two. And, uh, and I also like, uh, historically, the leader role in tango would have been the male position and the follower mm -hmm. role would be the female position. And I love the fact that you quickly get rid of that in your book. And, and even as you describe it in dance, you learn both so that you can do both. And I think the, the non-gender uh, aspect of, of how you've described it is, uh, is very up-to-date and good. Uh, and it's that uh, flow between the two that you, you, you talk about quite a lot, is that, that one does not exist without the other one. Uh, yes, exactly, very much. And I would say very much like high level teams, you know, high level or very practiced dancers would say, you know, after a while, those roles tend to kind of flow together and you don't always know in a great team. And, you know, this is your expertise. So, you know, please give me your feedback on this. You don't always know like, okay, who is the leader, you know, who is, you know, the follower or um, where is the idea coming from? It just sort of all works together. And that's also the experience of many dancers. Um, I was really fortunate early on in my dance career that my early teachers advocated for this, for studying both roles. Um, and so I, I, I got very quickly uh, an understanding of the whole dynamic and that back and forth and how each, each role supports the other one, right? Or, you know, can potentially pull the other one down. Um, and so I developed an appreciation for that. And uh, so... I've, I've been interested in trying to name what those things are in other contexts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, my critique of my own dancing is one of the challenges that we have as a couple is that I think both of us want to be in control. <laughs> and that clashes because we're both in control. And as you describe it, that control uh, flows from one side to the other, depending on what you're seeing and where you're at. And I think that does contrast highly with the best teams. You walk into their, their workshop you won't know who the leader is. The leader will just be part of the team at that point. Or, or you could think, I think that's the leader. And nope, that's not it. Oh, what about that person that's saying a lot? Nope, that's not it. Uh, so it does flow distinctly. And so you, you've taken this idea of this flow and you've painted these two pictures of a leader and a follower and how the two need to work in tight harmony together. And then you've identified three main areas of work, this idea of connection, collaboration, and co-creation. Talk us through how you find those steps and how they then apply to both the dance and the work. Sure. 
And as I was listening to you describe the great team experience, it, it also occurred to me to say that leadership, like as a skill set, is not defined to your title, right? Like as you, as you said, when you walk into a great team workshop, like you don't know who that person is. Uh, and likewise, you know, followership as I know it from dance is also like a skill set that isn't defined by your position or title. In other words, you know, a CEO or a director. I think benefits from having great, what I would call followership skills, right? Which are these kind of responsive, empathetic listening skills. And likewise, your entry level uh, employee would benefit from having leadership training as well, mm -hmm. um, which is like that more initiating, proposing, like, uh, you know, uh, kind of thinking. So I just wanted to clarify that, that these are things yeah. I, you know, I celebrate in everyone. And well, I think everyone draw benefits that, uh, from. You draw that picture in the book that, if you look at the hierarchy, everybody is a follower. Mm -hmm. And and there's only really the even the person at the top is a follower of the board or whatever or the stakeholders that are in there. Uh, and uh, you know we believe that leadership is about the choices you make. So everybody can make leadership mm -hmm. choices. So and that we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. But so you, you take these and you identify connection, collaboration, and co-creation. Take us through those three steps a little. Okay, so if you imagine a dance couple uh, on the dance floor, and, and sometimes it's a total stranger, right? So you, you meet on the dance floor and the first thing that you do is you connect. And what that means for dancers is that you kind of focus your attention um, on one another, on the music, on you know the dance that's coming. And one way to translate this into an organizational context might be to think of like starting a meeting. Uh, and especially in a meeting maybe where you don't know the people or it's a new combination of people. Um, if you just kind of jump in and be like, okay, here's the sales report and here's our agenda, then um, that could be a little jarring uh, and it might cause some misunderstanding, some you know, time wasted. Uh, but if you start a bit more intentionally, like acknowledge everyone in the room, you know, make sure you're focused, um, maybe send out you know, the agenda ahead of time, then the beginning of that right, is gonna feel more connected more more gelled so you're one unit uh, so that's a you know a quick sketch of what that connection phase might feel like uh, and so I you know, shouldn't start my dance by immediately swinging my partner <laughs> around and dropping them into a in some kind of hold is that right start well, it's it's a choice you know it would be a <laughs> choice but but that choice might have you know unforeseen or un, undesirable consequences it might be a bit jarring i think <laughs> it might be a bit jarring exactly <laughs> so um so that brings us to collaboration right which and then i realize these terms are quite large but you know they encompass several things so for, for me in terms of dance that would be like okay we all know the vocabulary now you know we can get around the floor safely, uh, we have a shared um, body of techniques that we're practicing that go with each other. So this is like the nuts and bolts of getting the work done, you know, and everyone has a part to play and there's a certain rhythm of that and that those come together through workflows and project plans and agreements. Um, so that's like that, you know, that everyday, uh, you know, the work of the organization or the right. team. Um, and then finally, the co-creation would, would, for me, come out of that, right? So you can really only innovate with the, your dance partner if you have that shared vocabulary and if you have a, an accumulated body of, um, of work, of trust, you know, of, of rapport and so forth. And so those moments of innovation or great creative problem solving um, are manifested on the dance floor with maybe, you know, a certain 
flare in your turn that looks different than the next couple, right? Or the dancer who says, you know, I've been doing this step like, you know, 50 times the same way. I'm going to just do it a little different. You know, I'm going to put my own spin on it. And so that dancer starts to look a little bit more unique. Uh, and so I see that also in, in teams in the workplace where, you know, you're in a groove and um, out of that rhythm comes, you know what, we could improve this system. You know right. what, what if we did this in this other context? Or, you know, what if we made a partnership with this uh, industry that, you know, no one's done before? So those are like these kind of, you know, co-creative, innovative flashes that, um, that are supported by the, the, you know, the previous two phases. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was fun to read through and make the, the correlation between our book, What Great Teams Do Great, which is a lot more formal, practical work stuff. But you mm -hmm. talk about really, let's make sure we do some things to set us up in the, the beginning and mm -hmm. then have some rough ideas as to what our expectations are of each other and then get to the work and have strong feedback loops that allow us to improve that and change it to something that we, we really start to flow better together. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think there is a, in the dance partnership, this organic feedback loop, right? Although dancers wouldn't call it that, but that's what it is. It's <laughs> like, I am feeling what you're doing. You're feeling what I'm doing. And I'm, you know, there's a constant kind of um, exchange of nonverbal information. Whereas in, an, in a workplace, it's more verbalized, you know, mm -hmm. or written or, or tracked in some way. Yeah, I think, though, some people would say that you get in a certain work environments with certain people and there just seems to be a flow. You just mm -hmm. seem to be in tune with each other, which all you're doing is taking something that is much more in tune with two people and saying, this is how you get to this synergy uh, with these pieces. So so you take those three and you, you break it into nine uh, categories for both the leader and then the follower walk us through a couple of those just to give us some insight as to, to how you break that down. Yeah, I'll give the example of expectations and boundaries, which, um, and I know those terms are used in a lot of different ways. So the way I'm using them in terms of leading following, um, the expectation would be something like um, team norms or agreements, or like, here's how, you know, here are the values of this organization. Here's how we work together. Um, or here's even like the time schedule that we're expecting. Um, so that sort of, those sort of parameters that could be set collectively, but I would put that in the leadership bucket because it's mm -hmm. kind of about the big picture and about the framing. And then the boundaries would be the natural complement to that, you know, where anyone in the team would want to have the freedom to say, wait a minute, that's not safe. Or I've just noticed something that's going to get in the way of this next milestone or, you know, I'm not comfortable with that on an ethical level. Um, so that, that, and that is the part that keeps, you know, keeps those expectations um, accountable, you know, in a, in a positive way. Uh, and ideally, you know, there's this sort of, again, dance between like what the expectations are and then how they are refined through responsible boundaries. And then, you know, they sort of meet in the middle and the team, you know, progresses sustainably. Um, so that's that's one example, which fits into your collaboration section, doesn't it? But so you're yeah. really talking about it has to be engaging and collaborative, because if it's all dicta dictatorship, then mm. you don't get that synergy. If if it's just the powerful one side, it's the need for one side to have the expectations and the other side to understand and to have input into the boundaries. 
Yeah, exactly. Because that that followership side, and again, I'm talking about that because it's often less analyzed. Um, you know, often from that view, it's that you're providing something that the leader can't see, right? Mm -hmm. Just based on the realm of of the leadership role at that moment. And so it's it's not just like a nice thing, right? To offer that feedback loop, it's like really important. Um, and when you see it as two forces coming together, there's an acknowledgement that both are seeing from different perspectives and that both perspectives are needed for the best outcome. That's a nice segue because throughout the book, you have um, what, I, what you call from the dance floor moments that mm -hmm. take the, the dance and, and that helped bring part of it alive for me because I say I've never danced, but I could get a picture of what that looked like. And it was mm -hmm. fascinating to think about how that would be at work. There's one great example you give that um, where the follower sees an obstacle, another dancer behind, uh, and the leader does not. And just talk us through that that transition because the leader's leading but isn't seeing the obstacle, the followers following and seeing it. Sure. So in a dance, of course, remember all this is communicated non-verbally. So if I'm the follower, right, and I I'm looking one direction, my leaders maybe looking the other direction, and um, and they say, okay, go left, you know, and I see, oh my gosh, there's another couple there, right? So I, I literally then like would like stop myself, but I also probably like squeeze my arms a little bit. I might just even like pull us a little closer together um, so that my leader knows, oh, okay, there's, there's danger there. There's uh, some reason my followers not going, right? Where I ask, where usually, you know, the follower responds quickly. Um, so that's how it would happen on the dance floor. And then, you know, my ability there also is I need to let go. I can't just be tense all the time. Right? I have to be able to engage there and hold us together and then to let go and let my leader know, okay, I'm ready. You know, coast is clear. You know, I'm ready again. So, I mean, I think this could happen in many, many ways in an organization. Um, again, because that the, the follower often has that perspective, right? The leader doesn't have. Mm -hmm. so. Um, it, it could be, you know, it could be communicated like, um, uh, verbally, you know, in, in a, probably not like in an email, but you know, who knows, you know, any sort of, you know, I know some, some factories have systems where everyone, anyone can push the, you know, the stop button at any time, mm -hmm. um, to make sure that safety is prioritized to give you a sense. Yeah, uh, well, that's, it. uh, it was interesting reading it because you talk, in the book in, in subtleties so mm -hmm. and even down i tense my left calf i <laughs> i stretch my right toe and, and you get so that to the non-dancer you can feel what's going through and it feels like it's very slow and methodical but you can imagine this is all happening in a couple of seconds of movement but that attentiveness to each other to be mm -hmm. aware and to give and take control is what gets the smooth dance to continue and I think that's that's where the transition goes to work as well, isn't it? That that if the leader is just leading without paying attention to the followers, or the followers are just following without paying attention to the leader, in all of those little subtleties, that you lose some opportunity. And so that idea of paying attention and saying everything all right, or checking in wherever it may be, especially reinforced now we're in remote times, is that you get a chance on a camera and you know what's going on there seems to be like a disaster area behind you are the kids all right kind of thing <laughs> are you coping in all of this that kind of sensitivity to check in and just have the, the more subtle kind of stop um and then 
be able to say, nope, everything is great. We're just having a fun playtime and allow that to go back on again. Uh, that seems to be, uh, that really came out, resonated as you described it to the every subtle little movement that you would make. Uh, and it also showed a, a real sense of you've been there. Uh, I think that's a great example. And I would, I would also, you know, offer maybe to just normalize those sorts of little micro pauses, right? That mm -hmm. um, there's nothing wrong, you know, especially for a leader, if your follower says something, right? That it doesn't mean like your instruction was, was wrong at all. It just means, oh, there's something new that is important. Um, so again, that's another reason why I think having a little bit of training for everyone in both, right, makes these things more available because then, you know, a, a leader, you know, if I'm a leader and my, my team member says like, oh, hey, wait, can we just, you know, I, I, need, I, I need to raise something. I don't immediately get defensive or think, oh, I must have done something wrong or, you know, I, the person's challenging my authority. It's more like, oh, that's normal. You know, I, I want my people to do that. Um, and so that, you know, that just encourages the flow of information, which is healthy. Right. Yeah, I think that's that. Uh, that flow is important, isn't it? The, the the willingness to be there and and not necessarily stop everything. And and too many leaders hear challenge and immediately push back on it. And mm -hmm. that I imagine in a dance would just create a very rigid and uncomfortable uh, situation in the middle of the dance floor. You'd get voted off, or wherever the, the I'm thinking of a competition in England at the moment. But they. Um, it, it wouldn't create that flow and that, that smoothness that you're looking for. I got one last question. This has got nothing to do with my dance technique whatsoever, but uh, you talk really about this idea of the synergy in action, the interplay between the leader and the follower. What happens when things aren't clicking and there's tension or disagreement both on the dance floor and how does that translate into the work world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, again, first thing is just to normalize that that will happen, right? That there's no team anywhere that just gets along perfectly. That's a relief. So you're saying that my dance technique is perfect. That's good. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah. So there's going to be friction. There's going to be moments of like disconnect. Um, and the dancer's training, right, and impulse, therefore, is always to reconnect, right, to go back to the beginning in a sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're on the dance floor and you know, your leader sends a signal, the follower like goes one way, leader kind of pulls the other way and you're like, whoa, that clearly something didn't work right. So you'll feel it, you know, for a dancer, you feel that in your arms, there's like a pull, right? And you know, okay, something's not right. Uh, so the impulse is to come back together and to refocus and reconnect. Um, so I think that's a super useful concept, right? In the workplace, because, um, there are many of those moments where we're like, did I, did I get that? Did it, yep. Was that the, the, the internet connection is out? Or did I not understand what you're saying? Because it doesn't sound right to me. Um, to reconnect and reconnection could be like, can you say that again? You know, um, ask a clarifying question, say, you know, can we pause for a second? Even like, let's take a break and come back later. Um, so I think there's just like so many ways we can practice reconnection uh, rather than think, something's wrong if we don't agree, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's okay. And our job is just to keep connecting, keep listening, keep understanding more and more. And um, there's always a way forward. So as a dancer, would you dance through that or would you literally stop and start again? Um, well, there'd be like a micro pause, you know? So uh, tango improvisation, cause it's not choreographed, right? There are no set step, step, step sequences really. You're kind of making it up as you go along. Um, it's full of these little micro pauses, 
so you begin and then you pause and you begin again. And so it's a natural part of the flow, which, uh, you know, is also really instructive. Mm -hmm. uh, so tango dancers have a lot of freedom around the rhythm and timing and phrasing of their, of their dancing. Um, and so, yeah, so if there's like a moment you're going in different directions uh, or you feel that pull or tension, what dancers do is they just stop um, or pause, right? And so they would like stay where they are on the, you know, the foot that they're standing on and then wait, you know, probably just like a second. And then the leader would like ask, make another signal. And so that next step is done more together. Right. So that really does fit because how many times have we had, like your example, a uh, a misunderstanding and then we've let it dwell and and I, I find that when there's a misunderstanding and a pause and a, and a time some people can fill it with every worst case scenario and all you're saying is take that second but then come back to it and say let's get clarity let's nip it in the bud and we use the term caring honest and direct when we're having that but let's not wait for a long period of time because it doesn't get any better yeah exactly and the follower skill there is like to basically just ignore what happened the first time and just say, okay, I didn't get it. I, we didn't get it. Just tell me again. Right. It's like, you just forget it and you come back to the moment right. and go from there. And not dwell on it. So yeah, but, you don't know blame and there's no blame involved, um, which is also really instructive. It's like something happened. We're not going to blame somebody. Mm -hmm. We're just going to come back to the moment. You know, we're still together, affirm our relationship and then take the next step. That's the the beauty of it in some ways and life in general, isn't it? We can't do anything about the last dance step, but mm -hmm. what we can do is make the next one better. Yes. And Beautiful. all too many times we spend a lot of time dwelling on the last dance step rather than preparing <laughs> for the next one. Yeah, very well said. So, well, that's, a, that's as close as I get to being a dancer. Uh, Shana, your uh, book, Lead and Follow, is out when? Uh, it will ship out on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Oh, so it's for... on pre-order right now. Isn't it the dance for lovers as well? <laughs> it does. is definitely one of its uh, one of its reputations. So the tango, the dance for lovers, the book lead and follow is out on Valentine's Day for you to pick up. Thank you very much for sharing a little bit with us today. And best of luck with the book. Thank you so much, David. So that was Shana. Um, what a delightful chat. Uh, about how we need to lead and follow. And I love some of the imagery that my mind captures with the idea of the tango going on, uh, the, the leader and the follower, both in harmony. And then even when some things go wrong, the idea of we just pause for a second, realign, and then move on as, uh, as we get that redirection. And it fits very well with what great teams do great and how sometimes we just need to stop, go back to what we said we needed to achieve, reorient and then start working again rather than just plowing on uh, oblivious to what's happening and and finding out that as Shana said it doesn't always work when you try to plow through the dance and something's disconnected so thanks for listening and I look forward to hearing from you you've been listening to the Humanity Leadership Podcast I'm David Wheatley and we're brought to you by the book What Great Teams Do Great available now at all good bookstores thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, till next time we meet, stay healthy.